he goes and gets wings and throws them on the board. Now listen, man, this guy's breaking <laughs> barriers down. You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Just keep it safe. They've been the class of league for sure. I think uh, um, we played them early in the year. Uh, it was a good game. They're they're a fast team, back and forth sort of game. But uh, uh, it's going to be an exciting game to play. And I think obviously we want to see uh, where they're at and where we're at right now. And, and it'll be a, a good test. But uh, obviously them being uh, you know 11 or whatever the results are tonight, 11 points out of us, we got to you know if we want to we want to give ourselves a chance of catching them, we got to chip away, chip away throughout the, the next uh, bunch of weeks. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by 2for1pizza.com. Enjoy plant-based garden pesto pizza, pizza and wings, pizza and penne combo, and more. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050 continues. Hour 2 coming at you. We're going to have Sophia Yerksevich join us in the next 20 or so minutes to tee up the game that Mark Giordano was just talking about. Saturday night, Leafs and Bruins, A.B., Nothing quite like it in this world. Uh, I, I know the Habs rivalry is, is probably the most historic, and the Battle of Ontario was cool too, but just right. as a result of recent history and, and the, just the beef with the Bruins, this is, I well, think, my favorite matchup. Well, this is, these are two of the top teams in the NHL. Right. Yeah. Like this even is, that this aside, is... like even if they weren't, is what I mean. I love this matchup, and definitely <laughs> doesn't hurt that they're two of the best teams well, in the league. I, I think for for. For you and I, like we're in an era generation where this is the true like this is the true rivalry I think that the Maple Leafs have had over the course of most of our fandom, just based on the fact that there was the you know three straight game seven losses to the Bruins, and it was always the big bad Bruins that gave Toronto a hard time, right? Like that yeah. it goes back to 2013, and then again one you know 2016, 17, 18. Like it's just this is always the team that uh, Toronto seems to be getting in the playoffs, and the Bruins always got the upper hand, which is funny because the Leafs have had the upper hand in the regular season a lot of the time. And I was just looking it up, and, and much like yesterday where the Toronto Maple Leafs had nine straight wins against Detroit, Sheldon Keefe team had never lost to Detroit, same thing can be said against the Boston Bruins. They've won four straight games against them and haven't lost in Sheldon Keefe's tenure as a Maple Leaf to the Boston Bruins. Now, is that an omen that maybe streaks are all about to snap? I don't know, because the Bruins also had their streak snap last night. They had yet to lose yeah. a regulation game in their home building, and it took all the way until January 12th for it to happen. They lost 3 nothing to the Seattle Kraken last night. Um, I-, I look at this game, though. I- I'm curious to get your thoughts on if you think the Leafs still stand a chance at making a race for that division. Like, do you think that they still... Um, it's interesting. So if the Leafs would have picked up at least a point last night, it would have been nice on a night when Boston lost. Right. What is it exactly now, A.B.? Are they still nine points apart? I, was, yes. I think so it was it's nine, nine yesterday. Yeah, it's it's still nine points. It's a nine-point difference between the two clubs. I think Boston still has a game in hand. I'll, I'll double-check that really quickly here. I believe they yeah, do, they though. they have two games in hand, actually. Two games in hand at that. So for... <sighs> Last night would have been big because then you go into tonight's game. It's only a seven-point difference. If you get the win in Boston yeah. tomorrow, now all of a sudden it's a five-point spread. Yes, they still have the games in hand, but you still also play them a couple more times this year where you can also make that up. So, you know, I, I think uh, last night was a bit of a blow. 
I almost look at this game tomorrow near must win if they do want to stay in the hunt here for the division crown. I think if they yeah. lose, lose the game tomorrow, that really would put a damper on things. That puts them 11 points back and still two games um, played more. But if they can win, I think they still have a shot. Yeah, they're one of the very, very few teams this year uh, that have actually beaten the Bruins in, in yeah. regulation, which I suppose is a bright spot heading in to tomorrow night. Austin Matthews' status is a little bit of a looming dark cloud, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, not today, because the Leafs have a day off today. I don't think we've mentioned that yet, but we won't get an update till tomorrow on Austin Matthews. Day off in Boston with the fathers? With the dads. There's Ooh. some clam chowder being hammered. I imagine some good Italian food being hammered in the south side of Boston. So, Love that for them. Do I think that they could catch the Boston Bruins? I don't want to write it off uh, as impossible at this point. Boston's been rolling all year, and I don't ever want to assume that they might fall off a bit, but every team goes through a little bit of a slump, don't they? Like Boston has to have a little bit of a slump at some point, but it feels blasphemous to even say about them. Yeah, they're they're on pace to to break records this year in terms of wins. Like Sheldon Keefe was asked about the playoff race yesterday. Maybe we can play that audio, and then we can kind of continue this conversation on the other side. But um, you know, he was asked, you know, what you think about this divisional race, and to him, he's like, oh, it's it's not much of a race. Here's the full comment. Well, I mean, it's not much of a race at this point. I mean, obviously, they're they are. I mean, unless I'm mistaken, they're playing at a pace that's the highest winning percentage in the history of the NHL. So it's not much of a race at this point, but you know, we would like to make it so that they have to try to maintain that pace or we're going to be right there. So that's really it. Uh, obviously, we failed to get points tonight, but anytime we're playing head-to-head, uh, it's a good opportunity to compete. But more importantly, it's a good chance for our team to bounce back and go against a team that uh, is going to push us in all regards. Um, and I'm excited about that. You know, we'll take a day off tomorrow, much needed, and regroup for Saturday. So Sheldon Keefe was pretty honest in that answer, and I think that he undersells things sometimes just to keep us specifically at bay. But Rasmus Sandin following the game, what's a player on the team to say I doubt? But he said, yeah, of course we're still trying to win the division. Of course that's a goal that we're trying to pick up uh, as many points as possible, especially versus this Boston team that looks like they're running away with it right now. It's it's just unfortunate, though, that we're in a situation where it's January 13th and there's nothing at this point to really play for. Like, yeah, okay, they, they got to keep going, obviously, and they could still, but th- there's a good chance that they just finish exactly where they are at the midway point and they're going to finish the exact same spot at the end of the year. There's not really an opportunity for them to move up just based on, you know, where the, the, the Bruins are at this year, but also the fact that you look down the playoffs – there's a good chance that it's going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? It, it doesn't yeah. matter what happens. You're going to place Tampa. You're going to face Tampa. And I, I just, the race to me is kind of eliminated in that aspect. I know. It's such a, I don't even know what to say because it's a bummer. And it kind of is what it is. But, yeah, it is what it is with this with this division specifically. And, I could complain about the playoff format, but like we said yesterday, they go back to a one to eight seed, and and Toronto still actually lines up against Tampa. So, what do we say, man? What do we say? Not much to say. Did you, um, by the way, just I guess quick transition here. Did you happen to see PK Subban's uh, ceremony last night? So good. I love that he was well received. Uh, he, he's a really good ambassador 
for the game, and he, he was a really good ambassador in Montreal, everything that he did for the children's hospital there. So it was nice to see him get his moment. The low triple high five oh, with Carey Price heart. to end it, that, like that had to happen. That yeah. 100% had to happen. And like we don't see Carey Price a whole lot these days. Like He came out and, and he had that acknowledgement earlier in the year. Um, but outside of that, really, you haven't talked to him, haven't seen him, and there hasn't been much word on like his status and his update or anything like that. We're just not we're kind of left in the dark. Like at this point, I'm almost thinking like maybe it's this it, is the end of yeah. of Carey Price. And but for well, him we heard to that be one there, update in the midst of the year, like I'm just trying to carry my kids up. This it doesn't sound yeah. overly good. No, it doesn't. But to see him last night to to be there for PK's you know special night, knowing that you know those two kind of broke into the lead together around the turn of the decade in like 2009, 2010, and were the face of that franchise for a while, the face of the franchise that made a, a, a long run to a Stanley uh, a conference final um, as, as young kids and, and eventually carried, took them to a Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. Uh, but it was really nice to, to see the acknowledgement there of P.K. Subban because it kind of ended a little sour in that like yeah. he didn't want to go right no and uh he said that this week i think he pictured himself yeah. retiring as a as a montreal canadian yeah and, and like he he has the ties to the hospital there where he don't he's donated like 10 million dollars or something like that so he's he's got strong ties so it's nice to see the recognition there and the fans come out in droves last night to to support him and you know show him the love that uh that he he very well deserved and, and I feel like Harry Price's uh, cowboy hat deserves a, a separate oh. shout out of its own because he's just like such a style a plus guru. a plus cowboy hat. Like, yeah, I love that guy, man. Carey Price is uh, yeah. It's it's unfortunate that you know we don't get to watch him play hockey because he was he's been the best goalie in the world for so long. Like he legitimately took that team, put them on his back, and said, "Let's go to the Cup final, boys." Like think about how like since that Cup final, how. D- just awful the Canadians have been. God awful. Downright they were, awful. Yeah. Like they were barely a playoff Weber. team that year. And then, you know, those bad injuries, him and Shea Weber, and now they're just the worst team in the league last year. Like, yeah. literally the worst team in the league the season after going to the Stanley Cup final. Incredible. Incredible. We have what? a winner to announce. A winner to announce for the pro line between the benches. So we've been getting people phoning in all week to qualify, and we finally have a winner. Congratulations to Adrian Cesario from Barry. Adrian Cesario, congratulations. You just won the pro line between the bench seats for January 23rd when the Leafs take on the Islanders. Plus, you're getting some pro line merch, a 75 food and beverage gift card for Scotiabank Arena, and two $50 OLG lottery gift cards. Congratulations to Adrian, uh, that'll be a, a fun game. The Islanders coming to town uh, yeah. for, for that one. So that was uh, a fun J- matchup. Well, JT will be, you know, he 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 wakes up for those games against yeah. the Islanders. Those, those will be a, a circled game until John Tavares re- retires. Honestly, just as a result of how bananas that uh, that market went when he decided to sign for the Leafs. I I still the first time he returned, like we talk about, like PK Subban got the love eventually from Montreal, right? Like the fans, even though he had left or I got, he got traded. It was a bit of a different situation, but the fans still show the love. I don't know if they will ever show Devar. Like if he goes back at some point, will they show him love? I don't think they will. Like that's just a, no. a, 
Like, I, that's more of a Vince Carter type of thing, I guess, as opposed to John Tavares. But Vince Carter did end up getting the love here in Toronto. But for some reason, I feel like that. That's the island broken, is meaner. They don't forget. Yeah, I, I don't think they will. I, I think, yeah, Tavares and the Islanders, I, I just don't see it happening where that relationship gets fractured from the fan base. Yeah, no chance. No. All right. Uh, on the other side, we are going to uh, be joined by Sofia Yerkstevich. Got it right? Yerkstevich? I think so, sir. I got it right. Beautiful. Uh, Nesson reporter. Uh, for the Boston Bruins. The Toronto Maple Leafs will be in Boston tomorrow, so help tee up that game. Uh, so she joins us on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Tashari. If you listen to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. up the Leafs and the Bruins tomorrow night in Boston. Julie Tashiri and Mike DiStefano with you right now on Leafs Lunch. The Leafs fell last night in Detroit to the Red Wings 4-1, to but I don't know, maybe it makes it a little, little nicer that the Boston Bruins also finally had their home regulation win streak broken last night by the Seattle Kraken and, and broken pretty convincingly, AB. 3 nothing. They were shut out by the Kraken last night and, and Martin Jones, who's streaking right now. Yeah, those Kraken ain't no joke. Like, they came through Toronto, played well. They went, they dummied Ottawa. And then they go and they 3 nothing blank sheet the Boston Bruins on home ice. Like, this team, they're legit. They're they're for real. We were kind of asking ourselves before Christmas, like, is are they legit? I think they're they've teetered from borderline to like, yeah, I think this team's they got something here. They they, they definitely do. Yeah, we'll have to ask Sophia Yerksevich is going to join us in the next couple minutes. She's a Nesson reporter for the Boston Bruins, so she'll kind of give us a a little bit of look behind the I'm curtains kinda, as to what the what's up. I'm kind of jealous though. Because I know that a lot of Leaf fans were hoping that Toronto would be the team to end that streak this weekend. And ah. now it kind of takes a little bit away of the luster. Yeah, it's not as juicy in, in the words of our of our beloved Mitch Marner. It's not as juicy <laughs> that they don't get to break the streak. Uh, but hopefully they can pick up a win tomorrow night in Boston. It's the Bruins and the Leafs. It's Saturday night. What else is there to say? But we have someone on the line right now who you'll all recognize after uh, an esteemed career in, in Toronto media. And now she's with the Boston Bruins with Nesson down in Massachusetts. It's Sophia Yerkstevich. How's it going, Sophia? Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on. You nailed the last name, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> we were kind of we were kind of shooting it back and uh, forth, but uh, I remember you from Hockey Night in Canada back in the day, so I wasn't going to mess that one up. Sophia, but, how I, I got to ask because I got to know because my last name it's it's not as tough as your last name. I'll say it, but it's it's an Italian last name, and people do kind of screw it up from time to time. Anytime you had a substitute teacher in school, and they were going down the attendance, and they're talking, you know, Berard. Jacobs, and then they get to your name, their eyes, did it light up like a Christmas tree or what? I mean, you're throwing me back to elementary school. I'm talking this <laughs> now, today. Like, anytime <laughs> anyone sees my last name, their eyes light up, and they get sweaty, and they're like, uh, uh sorry, I'm going to butcher it. I'm like, just just call me Sophia, please. Don't even worry about it. So, yeah, it'll live with me forever, but uh, I'm proud of it. It's my dad's last name, and he taught me everything I needed to know about hockey, so uh, I'm going to rock it as long as I can. 
beauty. And you learned it all in the uh, in the Toronto area. So it's kind of a, it's a new hometown team versus your OG hometown team. We always hear that the players kind of get up for games versus Toronto because, you know, the Toronto media kind of get, get things buzzing very annoyingly as we do. Do you find yourself getting <laughs> a little bit extra juiced up for, for games versus Toronto? Well, you know, yes, not not just because I'm I'm from there, but uh, they're I'm just driving home actually, just parked uh, from practice today at Warrior Ice Arena, where the Bruins were holding a practice, and there definitely is a buzz in the air. Jim Montgomery, their head coach, was kind of asked about that. Um, you know, we, we all know, regardless of the history between these two teams, I think there's always a little bit of hype. Division rivals, number one and two, but he was talking about it and said, yeah, it definitely feels like a different regular season game. The Bruins hit the exact uh, midpoint of their season versus the Kraken last night. So they're officially through the midway point and sometimes it's, you know, the dog days. But this one is definitely bringing some life and some energy into the city. And I'm sure... Uh, you know, on the other side, like you guys are, are are calling me to talk about it. So I'm sure it's felt in both places, but the Bruins are very well aware that Toronto's coming to town tomorrow night. Yeah. And it's, it's always, especially on hockey night in Canada, it's, it's a big time, a uh, big time performance between two of the, the top teams, not on the division, but also in the league. But for it's such a wide gap, and it's so strange that we're at the midway point. It almost seems like the Bruins have already run away with the division. I mean, do you think that the Leafs still have an opportunity to catch up to them? Like, is the mindset in Boston that there's still a race here, or do you think that the Bruins, you know, sit pretty comfortable here at the midway mark for themselves? That's a good question. I feel like if you ask fans and then you ask the players, it would probably uh, be a different answer, and I'm going to speak for what I'm hearing in the dressing room with the players, if any time something goes really well, like it's a great third period or they come from behind or, you know, obviously you guys are very well aware of their record and how they've been playing, you know, Jim Montgomery gets a lot of credit from the players and then he credits. So the players will say Jim Montgomery's a great coach. He's in so confidence in me. We like his new systems. But then even this morning, Montgomery was crediting just the players and the leadership for some of the, you know, intangible things and then tangible things on the ice for their success. And so that all that ramble to say is that I just don't think the players ever sit comfortably. I don't think under Patrice Berger on this team ever feels like, oh, we're good or we can mail it in or, you know, we've got, you know, to a two-goal lead in this game or eight points in the division or whatever. So I think if you were to speak with the players absolutely not I think they're very well aware that the Leafs absolutely could uh, chase them they're playing very well and if they continue to play that well that way excuse me and if Boston kind of were to sleep on that obviously it's very possible and they're just very aware not to sleep on their success or take it for granted yeah, one of the most well-respected things about the Boston Bruins, their their leadership group and, and the way that uh, nothing ever quite feels good enough. They're always putting in the work. But can you just take a step back to kind of tell us a little bit about what that home streak was like when they didn't lose at home in regulation at all? What was the, the vibe like around the team? What was the energy like in the arena? And then to contrast that, was it a little bit, even though it was a crazy streak and it wasn't going to last forever, a little bit tragic to have it end last night? I think so. I think because it it ended in a shutout manner as well. So, you know, they didn't even get a goal on the board. Um, And although it was a really fast-paced game and some really exciting moments, a a breakaway by David Pasternak and all that, uh, 
jazz, you know, Lena Salmark making some big saves. I think it was just sad for the team. You know, they were, they were uh, to quote Jim Montgomery, pissed off um, that it happened. But, yeah, it had to end. And, and to answer the first part of your question, it was insane. It was insane. And this is someone who, speaking from, like, I came covering the Boston Bruins in 2019. They were coming off of, uh, this was 2019-2020, so they were coming off that Game 7 Stanley Cup loss very talented team they had a great season that year then the lockout happened and or the not the lockout sorry the uh covid lockdown happened yeah. right but so they've been successful since i've been here so the vibe's always been great but this one is next this one has been next level and unreal and i think it's it's definitely because of the winning but if you want to combine that with the celtics having played so well at td garden as well like this whole city was just it's hard to put into words, but the vibe at the games, like a mond- a random Monday night in November game was, it felt like a Saturday night, original six, like it's going to be tomorrow, like crazy matchup. And it could have been, you know, um, just a, a non-division, like the Columbus Blue Jackets, let's say. And so it, the vibe was insane. Like it's, it's really hard to explain how fun and how pop in the TD garden was. I don't think one loss is going to change it, but like I said, the team's unhappy about it. The city's a little blue about it. And uh, the saying in the Bruins dressing room is do not like, we never lose two in a row and they haven't yet. So that's something that when they lose, they, they turn it up the next game. On that next game will be tomorrow. The Maple Leafs coming to TD Garden, a place that uh, has haunted them in the past. Uh, I'm curious to to get your perspective on this, though. We were kind of talking about it in the break. Like you, you somebody from Toronto, you covered you know hockey growing up here, and then you went to Boston, the Big Bad Bruins, a massive rivalry team. I mean. Ha- Brad Marchand in particular is somebody who we wanted to ask you about because he clearly is known as a a big villain around the National Hockey League. But has your opinion of him changed from being able to maybe get to know the guy and and getting to see some of the behind the scenes of how he interacts and what he means to that fan base and that team? Yeah, I love that you asked me that question because uh, if I can go higher than 100%, and I guess to use a hockey cliche, I'll say 110%, it has changed. Um, he is one of the most lovable, and I hate, like, I'm sorry to the Leafs fans listening to this. Like, I understand that they're like, wait, what? What are you talking about? But uh, truly one of the most lovable, deep person to fans, and the amount of work he does in the community that people don't see, um, the amount of time he spends with families and fans. Like, we get, as the Leafs do, the Bruins have a really good travel um you know, fan base or, or fans living in other cities being an original six team. And so kids or parents or older people will be, you know, going to practices in, I don't know, Minnesota or wherever we were just in LA and San Jose and he'll spend, he'll miss the team bus just to spend extra time talking to them. He doesn't know these people, but he knows they traveled really far or, or they never get to see the Bruins. So he's so lovable to fans. He's extremely hardworking. And I, I, I think that um, coaches, Jim Montgomery said I was always very impressed with playing against him, but now playing with him or coaching him, he can't believe how how hardworking he is. And yeah, I mean he puts it on. He's that that you know I guess agitator. I don't I don't know if I want to use that word, but whatever you guys as a, whatever opponents want to describe him as, yeah, there's validity there because of how he's been on the ice. But he's just 
um, honestly, guys, you you know what, what's the saying? You hate to play against him, but you'd love to have him on your team. Not just as yeah. a player, yeah. but as a person, he really is next level. And I was I was cautious. I was weary when I first started covering this team. I'm like, what's Brad really like? And I gotta say, he's the best. So really yeah. Nice so, so, yeah. He was kind of public enemy number one in the NHL for a long time, and now I feel like not just Boston. He's kind of growing on people, and people are like, ah, it's Brad Marchand, but I love what he's doing. Well, there was like a two-week span, I think it was last year, where he was getting involved on like TikTok or Twitter. Twitter. He was getting into the the Twitter beef with the Carolina Hurricanes, and then he was kind of starting to win some people over, and then he did that nonsense with Tristan Jari, and it's like, okay, he's back to that, and he's kind of been off social media ever since. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry, I cut you off. No, I was going to say, no, you're right. Like, he, uh, I can't remember, we just finished this three-game road trip. I think it was L.A. where, I mean, when he gets fired up, he gets fired up. And I think, and he's talked about this too, part of the way he channels his energy. He's like, look, this is who I am. This is how I am. I'm never going to change. And it's what makes me great, but it's also what sets me back sometimes. I think it was actually in response to that Jari incident. Um, And he's like, I've been learning as I've matured to channel the energy in, a, in another way. And oftentimes you'll see him get like really peeved off and then he gets a goal and an assist, you know, a couple of minutes later. And it's like, yeah, don't, don't piss him off. And he's definitely hasn't always, but he's really trying to channel that energy and that anger into, you know, into his hockey skills instead. We're with Sofia Yerkesovich right now of Nesson out in Boston, teeing up the Leafs and the Bruins tomorrow night. And one move that the Bruins made ahead of the season that kind of shocked the fan base and shocked the league as a whole was letting go of Bruce Cassidy and bringing in Jim Montgomery. And and so far that move has paid out in dividends. Uh, Sofia, what can you say about your initial reaction to that move? And uh, I guess in turn, just your, your observation of what Jim Montgomery has done for this group so far. Yeah, so I think like everyone was, I was surprised for sure. Didn't see it coming. Uh, Bruce didn't see it coming. And obviously with such a successful record with this team and this core group, you know, mainly being the same coming back, um, it was a bit of a surprise move. And so the first impressions I've had of Jim Montgomery, I think, you know, he even said he wasn't this used to um the type of media we would have here in Boston or you guys would have in Toronto, right? Yeah. Like really passionate hockey fans. So at first he was kind of like short winded with his answers and he was saying, yeah, I'm getting used to answering questions. Whereas in Dallas, when he was the head coach in St. Louis as an assistant, he didn't have to answer questions, but in Dallas, they wouldn't be asking him about, you know, line changes or like the minute, tiny little details or time on ice everyone's aware of everyone's time on ice to the second and he's like wow I had to get used to that here um that's just from a media standpoint from a player's perspective the other day I interviewed on camera so this wasn't even like you know kind of an off the record thing but Trent Frederick is having a bit of a career year with the Boston Bruins uh consistent third liner here and breakout year and I asked him you know what or who has made the biggest difference and he's playing with Taylor Hall so you think that's a big difference and he does credit his teammates but like straight up right away he's like Jim Montgomery he's like this guy's put um the confidence back in me and I I gotta thank him for how he's been playing and that goes along with someone like Brandon Carlo Matt Grizzly Brad Marchand who we just talked about has been around the league and is a veteran skilled player before Montgomery 
he's like, he just makes such an effort to become friends with the players. And a coach is never really a friend. You'll hear players say that, that there's an intimidation factor. Or he's your boss, right? Like, he's your boss. And sometimes the relationship isn't great, but you respect their hockey sense. In this case, he sits down and has breakfast with the players. He jokes around. He has very honest conversations. He's very communicative, and that's what they like. So something he said is, if you're getting ice time, you're going to know why. And if you're not getting ice time, you're going to know why. So it's not a guessing game. You know, I don't know how other coaches around the league do it if they just bench guys because they're mad or they didn't like their shift. Like, Jim will come and talk to you about it and encourage you to do better next time and how he wants you to do better. And so the guys feel like they have direction and something to strive for, and, and a lot of them are a lot more confident for it. Sophia, who to you do you think has been maybe the biggest surprise story for the Boston Bruins this year to be Linus Olmark, where if you open up NHL.com, he's leading every single goaltending statistical category there is, or Hampus Lindholm, who's really turned into uh, a top defenseman in the National Hockey League this year? Yeah, great question. I mean, you can make cases for both, and I guess I'll just speak for myself. I would say Linus, and I don't even... You know, I don't even know why because he's had a he had a great season last year. A lot of people are talking about his um, stats this season, which yeah are evidently just like you said, best in the league, which is incredible in, in several different categories. But last season he was really good too. I think there was a distraction though with Tukaras coming back and Jeremy Swayman being around from the season before and having great. You know, I think it was ten games um, before the season ended the year prior to Linus getting here. And so I don't think Linus was really the the focus. Um, so to me, that's been the biggest surprise because he is just literally standing on his head, super chill, super calm, obviously playing with a great team in front of him, and he's credited them many times for his all-star nod and all that. But there have been several times, too, that he's made one or two key saves that completely change the structure and the momentum of the game, and then the Bruins' offense will, you know, and, and defense will protect the lead and continue the rest. So I would say Linus, and that's not to take away from Hampus at all. Um, he's been an excellent, like, what a good move by management to get him at the trade deadline the year before, and um, an excellent, excellent addition to this team. But I think Linus being as good and as consistent as he is is, um, is pretty uh, incredible. Yeah, as everyone starts to just scrounge around the defense market with the trade deadline looming, it's hard not to look at that deal and think, wow, that was a really, really good one by the Boston Bruins last year. Uh, mm-hmm. Winter Classic, just just behind us, but it actually looked like one of the best Winter Classics that I've ever seen from a fan perspective. The game ended up being exciting, too, even though it started a little bit flat. What was that experience like for you? Well, it, it was awesome. I mean, the players on both sides, but I, of course, I spent the most time around kind of the Bruins dressing room and practice the day before. Like, I think Gary Bettman said it was like number 35 or number 36, not of winter classics, but outdoor games. And um, I would say from like game one of the winter, the first time there was a winter classic, like the hype was everywhere. I think the hype kind of died down a little bit in terms yeah. of um, everyone kind of tuning in, right? But it didn't feel that way here. It really felt like um, a huge event for the city and for the players. And I love that because Patrice Bergeon, for example, has played in five. I think Marchand as well. It was Nick Polino's first one. He's a veteran. But all of them really were acting as if it was their first one. Like, And you feed off of that hype and you feed off of that energy. So it was really fun from that perspective. I think 
most people saw, you know, what they wore heading into the game, throwback baseball jerseys paying homage to the Red Sox and the history of Fenway Park. And, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins did the same thing with Pirates uniforms and stuff like that. So it was it was a spectacle, as people were calling it, but a real great vibe. The weather was great. It was just cold enough to feel like a winter game, but not too cold where, you know, you were freezing, like you can actually be in the elements and enjoy it. And um, I think both sides, but again, I was around the Bruins more, had everyone and their family, their grandmothers, their kids, like all their family and friends in attendance. And just to feel that energy from the partners, from the parents, from the little kids running around, it was just, it was a great thing to be part of. And the Bruins really uh, respected and appreciated the event as opposed to being like, oh, we've already played one of these, like, whoop-dee-doo. They were actually really, really excited and grateful for the opportunity. Sophia, really appreciate taking the time to uh, join us today. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and uh, we'll chat again down the road. All right, guys. It's going to be a good one for the fans out there. Uh, enjoy watching it, and, guys, thanks for calling me. Thanks for your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for joining us. There she goes. Sophia Yerkstevich. I think I've got it now. Yeah, nailed I it. i got it now. We're good. Uh, Yerkstevich. Remember the Nesson. Leafs? Was it a winter classic last year, or was it just an outdoor game versus Buffalo? It was the Heritage Heritage Classic, oh, I believe. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, like like really important distinction. Really that. important distinction between well, all the many classics. That's the problem that I, I do have with the outdoor game. And, and to her point, I think she said it was, what, the 36th that they've now had? Yeah. It is getting a little bit, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it when it was the one, if it was, like, January 1st outdoor classic. But this one was on January 2nd. It wasn't even on New Year's Day either. <laughs> they didn't do an overly good job of promoting that because I like it was a world. It was a j- day off well, yeah, of the world juniors. The junior, but yeah, yeah. But January first was a day off, so I was like, "Cool, I'll watch the Winter Classic" because I assumed that it was January first, and <laughs> then I ended up watching like a day game between Carolina or New Jersey or something, and being extremely confused <laughs> the entire time. So did, did why not Jake have it DeBrusque, that day? Jake DeBrusque scored the game-winning goal in that game. Didn't he do it on like a broken leg? Yeah, the I think the report came out after the game that he had a fractured fibula, so he scored what? that game winner on a fractured fibula. What a rock still star! Oh, what a yeah. rock star! That guy is uh, awesome. is an absolute weapon, indeed. You know what's crazy about that Bruins team, though, and like the fact that David Krejci has been as impactful as he has been. Like the guy didn't play hockey in the NHL last year; went and played back. I think he was in the Czech League, if if I'm not mistaken, last season. Yeah. And then he comes back this year and picks up right where he left off, like as a, as a really good number two center for this team. And it's really, I think, impacted them in such a, a strong way. And what I found to be hilarious about it, and I don't know why I picked up on it last night, but I noticed, like, while watching, the guy got the letter back on his sweater as well. Like, well duh. But, like, he leads <laughs> the team, they give it away to somebody else, and then he comes back and it's like, actually, we're going to need that back. Our boy Krejci is, is home and... You know that's that's his rightful rightful letter. So we're gonna have to get that back from you. Like I, I just thought it was kind of funny how he came back, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna put the the A right back on your sweater." How no, I I'm I'm with you right now, and I'm trying to because I had this exact same uh, thought yesterday about Brant Clark because Brant Clark got returned back to Barry from L.A. and then I saw a video of him last night. I didn't watch 
game in full, but he had the C right back on his chest. And I was like, damn, I wonder if that was a conversation or if they're going with the with the joint C situation because he came back and they're flipping back and forth now. Oh, yeah, I hate that, the joint that, C. Let me yeah. just say strongly with my chest, I hate the joint C. It's such a college thing. Uh, I think especially in women's hockey, it's a thing where people people share the C sometimes. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. They're doing yeah, it in Mississauga right now, too, to end the season. Biggest pet peeve. Yeah, I don't agree with that. You either have a captain or you don't. You want to have four alternates like the Leafs did for many, many Do years? Do that. Sure, but to have a traveling C? Nah, yeah. I think that's that's a little Bush League if, uh, if you ask me. I, I agree with you. Got to be one All guy. right. All right, JT. On the other side, we got some hardware that we got to hand out. Uh, we got the Leafies that'll be coming up next. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Tashiri. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Just watch me dance. Brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion for your chance to win a $100 Vanilla Visa prepaid card. Text the keyword lunch and your name to 105050. Standard text message rates apply. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Julia Teixeira and Mike DeStefano teeing up the Leafs and Bruins tomorrow night in Boston. Stoked for that game. Uh, but we wanted to get to some more in honor of Friday the 13th curses that we think are afflicting the Leafs, or you think, rather, are afflicting the Leafs uh, in honor of this spooky, spiritual day that we are currently in the midst of. Uh, we got to a few right off the top, but in terms of curses, what else did we get here, AB? Someone thinks that there's a, a Kessel curse, should have never given up those picks, Craig Shorey, uh, and that those obviously turned into Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton, and we hear about those all the time, but... A lot of curses. Ah, so you laughed at me for being muted off the top, and then AB comes in muted as heck. I don't see that as a curse, though. I'll say, I, I don't think that's a curse. That's just a dumb decision more than anything as opposed to a curse. But somebody said Al's brother. I'm thinking the, they're thinking the shanty. Did the shanty curse the team last year? Was was that what That's a ridiculous them? one. I hope so. I hope I didn't cost the team. That'd be unfortunate. Oh, this is an interesting one. Lots. Okay. The mentality that they are cursed. That is actually a really good one. Uh, because it, like, the, the stats are staggering. No team has lost as many game sevens. And what does the stat AB help me out? No team has lost that many. Like, oh, probability math game. says that they shouldn't have, they should have won at least one of those game sevens. Yes. They haven't won a playoff series since 2004, Julia. 2004. Yeah. You and I were still very, very young people in, on this planet. It was 10 years yes. old. 10 years old the last time they won uh, a playoff round. Um, the Love Guru curse. Are you familiar with the Love Guru oh, curse? Oh, yeah. Did anyone send us that? That's a huge year. one. No, but I remember talking about this on the show last year. I saw it. I don't know. Maybe there was a Friday 13th last year, and I saw an article on it. And how since the Love Guru came out, the Leafs have not won a playoff game or won a playoff round since the Love Guru came out, and they won the Stanley Cup in that movie. So because yeah. they tempted fate by showing the Maple Leafs hosting hoisting Lord Stanley with Mike Myers and company, the hockey gods said, "Absolutely not! I don't think so!" And haven't even allowed this team to get out of the first round since that movie has come out. 
That's one one other curse, the Mike Myers yeah. Love Guru curse. Uh, what's another? That's a good one. Oh, you know, you know what? Who... EA NHL. Remember last year they they did in their in their promo for the game. They had John Tavares yeah. hoisting the Stanley Cup. I was like, you they scoundrels! Did. But that's a pretty new one, so that can't. They have been did afflicting the Leafs for a very long time. Billy Talent believes that they're part of the reason why the Leafs have not won a a, a Stanley Cup round either, a Stanley Cup or a playoff round either. Because oh. since they they put out the song "Fallen Leaves." I know. Cause remember, I was telling you how I was like going back and forth with their bassist, and he listens to the show. Oh, right. And he was, and he was saying it's funny. We believe that we curse the team when we put that song out, "Fallen Leaves," because they've done nothing but fallen every single playoff round since that song came out. So they believe that they've cursed the team as well. That is completely valid. I suppose. Yeah, I think and- I, 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 I even told him. I said, "Well, you need to put out a new track, a brand yep. new track that reverses Flying the leaves. curse." Flying leaves, winning leaves, something to do. <laughs> Who cares if it flops as long as yeah. it, cha- it changes? Because if it changes things and they win, then it becomes the song, the song of the Leafs playoff, you know, their their entire playoffs. And maybe it could be like our version of all the small things. And then it becomes just like a Leafs tune. Yeah, that'd be cool. We Make got a lot happen. of responses saying media as well that will acknowledge uh, I guess, yeah. but the media in Montreal is just as just as tough, and and they've had some success, <laughs> like since 1967. Uh, uh, where else is it bad? Boston, it's really bad. They've had success, so the media is a crutch. Uh, I refuse to take that as a. Well, it's not a curse. As it's, a it's not a curse. Just like Gary Bettman and the salary cap we got as well. That's not a curse. The yeah. salary cap didn't curse the Leafs. It's the entire team, right? Like that's just it's yeah. it's the entire league. Like that's just what happens. It's not a curse per se are we gonna but, try to rip uh, through the leafies fast here ab yeah let's do it let's uh let's get to the leafies let's uh th- get the sting out here and set the mood properly honor prestige a celebration of the waitress tripped on the court presenting the leafies a celebration of leafness what am i gonna do with the award nothing that's the least of my concerns right now on TSN 1050, the Leafs live here. Really quickly, I do want to say that because I now have my television up in my room, I was able to watch the uh, a quick epi of The Office last night. Nice. So that's something that is now into my routine. Just a quick ep and then fall asleep. Just had Wait, to throw that out there. Uh, yesterday on the show, sorry, before we get to the Leafies, we have to get our, these things out of the way off our brains. Uh, we were talking about Freddie Anderson yesterday being activated from the LTIR. First win in his first game back last night. Got so. a dub. Shout out to our old pal and, and Andy's old pal since we played Debbie Deb yep. tonight in, in Freddy. Uh, the best player award, we call it the Dougie. To me, these this is a co-shared award. No, we, we poo-pooed the co-captaincy, but we're co-sharing the Dougie to the goaltenders because both of them had a couple of games played this year. Uh, or this week, rather, and they were they were great. I mean, you look at the team save percentage prior to this week, and from January or December fifteenth to last Friday, they were dead last in terms of save percentage in the National Hockey League. The week since, they've severely improved that. It's been a nine twenty three team save percentage, good for fourth in the NHL, uh, and a nine or a nine thirty save percentage rather, and a nine twenty three high danger save percentage which is good for fourth in the NHL over the course of the last week. So the goaltending has really shored themselves up, and they've been the most consistent part and the best part about both of these, uh, or about this entire team, is both of these goaltenders. 
Yeah, a little bit of a bleh week. They got the win against Nashville, but we credit that one largely to Matt Murray. And then last night they were pretty bleh again, unfortunately. Even though Samsonov had a great game, he wasn't able to drag them all the way through it. So goalies get the love this week. Ooh, the Carlisle, the Rhymer, the just okay player. To me, oh. it's Zach Aston Reese. Like, he's been meh for the last little bit. And, yeah. And, and I, I wonder, you know, we were talking about it earlier, like who comes out of the lineup at some point when – the crunch comes, and I wonder if maybe Bobby McMahon gets an opportunity to go out there and play over a guy like Zach Aston Reese, who really hasn't just hasn't done a whole lot. He's supposed to bring you know a little bit more grit to the team. I just I haven't seen it really. So he's been he's been okay for me. He hasn't been a liability, which is kind of what you want out of your fourth line, but he's been yeah. rather meh. And the fact that there's so many Zach Aston Reese type guys in the fold now, it seems like now it seems like yeah. they have an abundance. Yeah, like of- Hunt. Reese, yep. you got Bobby McMahon in there. Could, you know, a little SDA bit more played a little bit like guy. that. Joey Anderson was in the fold. Like all these guys are kind of a little S- bit interchangeable to me. So, yeah. What the Sundin? Oh, uh, I thought you looked at me in shock and said SDA. I was like, what? About well, him? SDA is like five foot two, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, not size wise, but you know what I mean. In terms <laughs> I'm like of SDA, <laughs> plugging him in down there. He's not five gotcha. two, is he? He's like five eight. He can't a buck, be five a buck two. fifty. No. If, okay, so I'm five two and <laughs> Okay, then he's like five nine. The difference between five credit. two and five nine is vast. I'll give him some credit. I uh, think he's like five nine, but Oh god, we got the Sundean, player who made the game changing dynamic play of the week. Uh we're giving this one to William Nylander, Willie Styles, the Will Nye, the wrist shot guy. That's the that's what There's I was looking for Bill there. Nye. Because he faked Bill Nye. He faked the wrist shot and, and fed Mitch Marner for the game-winning goal versus Nashville. It was a beautiful play, and that's our, our play I, of the week. Well, I'm on the fly going to give an honorable mention. I'm going to co-share this one, too. The save from Matt Murray on, Matt Murray, on Tanner yeah. Janot. Like, that was just an unbelievable, unbelievable save. Really quickly, because we do want to play this. The O-Dog, the best audio bit of the week. This is Mitch Marner talking about uh, the juiciness of his performance. Yeah, I mean, well, I think we've all know he's a special player. Um, you know, he's he makes some unreal plays out there. It's, you know, it's crazy. He looks like sometimes he's just floating with the puck in his hand, and then next thing you know, he's toe dragging two guys and making a play like he did on that goal. So, um, you know, it's why we call him Willie Styles for a reason. He makes a lot of plays out there. He's, you know, he's uh, he's not afraid to make someone look stupid. And um, you know, he's had an unreal year so far, and it's only going to get better and better. But just his competitors on pucks uh, throughout the whole zones. It's been a lot of fun to watch this year, and um, you know he's found himself in a lot of great areas to put pucks in the net and make plays. So, so it's been a lot of fun to be on his team and watch him every night. All right, that was him talking about uh, Marner, but he had talked about the juiciness of the team. Uh, it's all good. We'll, we'll play that one maybe uh, next week potentially. But that does it for us today. Good show. Good week. Fun game tomorrow. Let's hope Boston Matthews is back in the lineup. Uh, they take on the Boston. Bruins. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano for Julia Teixeira. You've listened to Leafs Lunch. Gameplay with Matt Cause coming up next.